Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series from canvas to screen on select Saturdays in March. Enjoy a film that captures the drama and beauty of some of history's most celebrated works of art, including Metropolis, Days of Heaven, and Marie Antoinette at NortonSimon.org. Come see the new quiz show, Go Fact Yourself, with special guests Andy Richter and Fresh Air's Tanya Mosley. It's March 23rd at the Crawford. Get your tickets at las.com slash events. LAist Studios. I was talking to the ecologist and I was like, hundreds of years? You mean like 100 years, like 50 years, 100 years? He's like, no, hundreds of years. And that that to me is such a long time frame for recovery. Yeah, it just left me mind blown. This is How to LA, the podcast that helps you understand more about Southern California. I'm Brian De Los Santos. Last weekend, the weather talk in LA was all about rain thanks to Tropical Storm Hillary. That, plus the wet winter we had, means the threat of major fires is reduced in a lot of places. But the threat is still there. Earlier this month, the York Fire in the Mojave Desert burned more than 90,000 acres and did some major damage to the Joshua trees in the Mojave National Preserve. I spoke to science reporter Jacob Margolis about the native plant's chances for bouncing back and why wildfires are no longer rare in the Mojave Desert. So this ecosystem, this desert ecosystem out there, is not really all that used to or adapted to fire, unlike a lot of our other ecosystems throughout the state, like our uh, you know, giant sequoias, our redwoods. They're ready for fire. They need fire to reproduce. These ecosystems out in the desert where the Joshua tree lives, where the yucca lives, and all these other native plants, you know, they might see fire every few hundred years, uh, like a long time ago. And now they're seeing it quite often, uh, primarily because of invasive grasses that have moved in and that uh, grow really fast and basically fill in the gaps like in the sparse landscape to help carry whatever fire starts from Joshua tree to Joshua tree to Joshua tree that would otherwise be separated by a good distance and, you know, uh, not usually all burn up. I really want folks to kind of understand more about the Joshua trees, which we hear about all the time. They're so loved here in Southern California. We take Instagram yeah. pics or TikToks with them. What is so unique about them? Well, you know, I would say that it's probably, one, it's how long lived they are. They could be several hundred years old. Two, I think they're quite gorgeous. And they also only exist in this part of the world. And so right now they are uh, suffering. They're struggling. You know, you have people that have uh, been cutting them down, but you also have these fires that are becoming more frequent. And when one of these trees burns down, you know, usually uh, they only grow at a rate of about like, I think it's like three centimeters a year or something like that. And some of them are like 10 meters tall. And so it takes a long time, like a couple hundred years for them to grow that big sometimes. And so we need to essentially, uh, you know, set up a system where we can kind of protect them. It is very difficult on the fire front, but certainly on the destruction front, if people are out there in Mojave National Preserve, Joshua Tree National Park, that they obviously respect what's going on out there. 
You know, you remind me of this story back in 2019. I actually used to live in the desert in the Palm Springs area. And remember we're covering this. There was a government shutdown. So there weren't park rangers out there to kind of protect Joshua Tree National Park. And people went up there. They camped. They kind of did their damage. It upset a lot of people, especially when, you know, we know that the recovery for these trees can take hundreds of years. And there's a lot of talks about the Joshua Tree becoming endangered species. Where are we at with their environmental status? Yeah, so they're under state consideration for protection right now. They were turned down for federal protection um, back in March. But really what people should know is that their entire existence is being threatened, one, by people directly, two, by wildfires, but overall, especially by climate change. And so the reason is because when these trees, say, get cut down, they burn down, um, and if they take hundreds of years to recover, with climate change, we don't exactly know if the Joshua trees will be able to recover and survive in a climate that is changing massively, that is that is hotter, that is drier. I talked to uh, the deputy superintendent of the Mojave National Preserve, and what she told me was that basically all these trees that burned up, the good news is that some of them only burned at a moderate severity, which means that, hey, the tops burned, but the roots may still be alive, so they could potentially re-sprout. But the issue is we're also seeing more drought years, right, with climate change. And even if we do get rain, the hotter temperatures mean the water doesn't go as far. And so what she said was, hey, if we have like additional drought year, drought two years like that come back, a lot of these trees will not recover versus, hey, hopefully we do get an ultra wet year like we had this last one. So it really is unclear where and if these trees will even be able to recover in the climate we're kind of barreling straight into. After the break, more of my conversation with Jacob Margolis, science reporter for LAist. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, host of the Right Nowish podcast. Every week, I talk to the people who are creating art and culture and spreading it to the universe. As an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Essentially, we normalize a space where you can show up as your authentic self. Check out Right Nowish, rooted in California's Bay Area, speaking to you. It's so many people of color, so many queer people. It's like I'm being celebrated in my fullness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to How to LA. I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. So when we talk about plants that may be on the way to getting endangered or just native plants that we need here in our climate, we do have to talk about invasive species, which you have already earlier. Those plants can fuel fires. How does that happen? And why do they thrive in these regions? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we saw in Hawaii that we've seen in uh, out in the desert that we've seen in even here in, uh, you know, around the San Fernando Valley where I am right now is these invasive grasses that grow a lot faster than a lot of the native plants. They also survive on a lot less water. And something also kind of crazy happens is that uh, we get the pollution in the air, I'll sum it up, but basically the pollution in the air can turn into what is like nitrogen fertilizer uh, that you put on corn to make it grow big, but it falls on these like hillsides. The invasive plants love it. They grow like crazy. And they basically fill in the space between a lot of these native plants. They grow faster, they dry out faster, and then they're able to essentially carry fire uh, and amplify that fire that then goes ahead and destroys the native plants in the area. And then when everything's scorched and it's a moonscape, 
guess what? It's those invasive plants that come back first quite often. And then the fire cycle continues. It shortens to a period of like five years in places where it might otherwise be 50 years. And then the native plants just do not have a chance to come back. And uh, yeah, it's really, it's really tough to watch, especially in our chaparral and coastal sage scrub ecosystems here around LA too. Do you know if there's anything like me and you can do, you know, normal folks, uh, to kind of help with that situation of uh, invasive species? I would say one of the biggest things is to not start fires in the first place. If mm-hmm. we're talking about a like an increasingly short fire return interval that's destroying seed banks because the fire comes through and just burns up all the seeds that have been in the soil that might sprout sometime over the next 20 years, um, you know, the biggest, we, we start the fires. Uh, most of the time, these fires are not started by lightning, especially here in Southern California. It does happen, but it's primarily us. It's, uh, you know, power lines. And it's also people say like pulling over on the side of the road, uh, some sort of, you know, car backfire chain hits, uh, <laughs> falling off a truck and it sends a spark into some of this dry brush. So I would say the number one thing that we can do is uh, just don't start fires in the first place. As far as up in the mountains um, and like uh, what we could do about the invasive plants, you know, that's up to the land managers. And what I would say is if you do have a property in one of these places, make sure you're keeping brush down and make sure you're not planting anything invasive, like maybe prioritize planting native plants and they can help start to displace some of these invasive plants over a long period of time if that ecosystem is maintained. And actually, that leads me to my next question, which is what comes next in the recovery of the Mojave Preserved? Is there Mm -hmm. an effort currently to remove the invasive species, to replant? Yeah. So the first thing is a post-fire assessment um, by a special team that'll go out and they'll look at all the infrastructure, impacts to watershed, that kind of thing. And then they'll submit a report and that report will inform how much money is spent on a certain aspects of the recovery. But then there are kind of the follow-up things that also happen after that. And so over the next three years, there could potentially be both deliberate plantings and weed abatement. So they might actually go out and try to kill off some of these invasive species and also try to uh, you know, plant some of the native species to help them get better established as well. But again, you know, these ecosystems can take hundreds of years to recover. And so there is debate and there will always be debate between the scientists over the best way to help them recover. And yeah, especially given climate change, we're unsure if they will. Jacob, thank you so much for joining me today. It was always good to talk to you about the environment. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. That's Jacob Margolis, science reporter for LAist. That's it for us today. Tomorrow, we'll be back with a tour of KCON. We hung out with writer and podcast host Vivian Yoon and the creator of the Pixar movie Elemental, Peter Sohn. You don't want to miss our discussion about Korean music, entertainment, and really, the community. This episode was produced by Monica Bushman. Our other producers are Evan Jacoby, Meg Motel, and Victoria Alejandro. Hasta mañana. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Hey, it's Brian, the host of the How to LA podcast. How about we go to the movies? 
Join us for a 10-part series, Revival House, and discover the magic of L.A.'s indie theaters. Who knows? You might meet someone. I know it sounds antithetical because you're just sitting passively, but in fact, you're connecting with everyone else around you. Subscribe to How to L.A. from L.A. Studios wherever you listen to podcasts.